Welcome to Excel Leadership, an organization devoted to navigating enterprise on the high seas. Core values, core leadership, and core training. Dr. Bill Purvis is the leader of one of America's mega churches, a highly sought after motivational speaker, and founder and CEO of Excel Leadership. Businesses and industries today spend enormous amounts of money on training and wonder why they aren't seeing the results of these expenditures. Excel Leadership delivers results. Excel Leadership challenges you to grow in your personal life, leadership skills, and alignment of core values to achieve your maximum potential. Let's listen in as Bill speaks to a live audience of people just like you who are eager to grow in their leadership skills. Using frustration wisely. And um, we say to begin with that we all experience frustration from time to time. The key is what we do with frustration. Frustration can either be a great paralyzing influence or a great motivating force in your life. It can stop you or start you. It can divert you or lead you. It's all up to you. All of us, since we're going to have some frustration and all of us have certain frustration levels, some people, their level and capacity is a little lower and some is higher. It's kind of like the stress level. A while back, I mentioned something that uh, some people said that was a good way to put it. But uh, I was talking about a particular person that committed suicide, and other people have gone through difficult times that were in some, some ways even harder. And somebody asked me, they said, Bill, what, uh, what do you think is the, you know, the reason for that? And I said, I'm not sure. And I asked a friend of mine who was really experienced. He said, Bill, not everybody has the same threshold of pain. Their level of pain is not the same. He said, what you and I go through, we might can go through 10 times of losses and setbacks and we can handle it, but somebody else can only take one and it just rocks their world. He said, I learned a long time ago that not everybody has the same capacity for pain. And that really helped me to understand that we are all wired different, but it helped me to realize, and particularly if you have two or three children, you've seen that in them. One can handle a number of adversities and bounce back. And another can take one and it just kind of really stopped them for a while. And so there's got to be an understanding on our part. Well, with frustration, I think it's the same. Some people can, uh, can handle frustration and know how to channel it. And some, a little bit of, a little bit of a disorder in their life or a little bit of problems in their life can sometimes cause them to hesitate. And so our goal is, if we're all going to have it, then what do we do with it? So here's what we do. I mentioned here in your first blank, allowing frustration to motivate you can bring about change. Now, change is something that we all don't, uh, we don't like. I don't know many people that really love change, but some people know how to make change a little easier. I've always said this about change, that, that uh, change is, uh, is inevitable. It's going to come no matter what. Everything's changing. Every day we're changing. Our, our bodies are changing. Our thought processes are changing. Everything about us is changing. Our kids are growing. Our relationships are changing. Change is inevitable. Growth is optional. If I choose to grow, I can do that. If I choose not to, then that's my option. I can choose to try to stay back. Many people spend so much time resisting change, and change is never comfortable. In fact, the truth is, and I had a man that made this statement to me this morning at breakfast, and I thought I liked the way he put that. He said, whenever you're comfortable with change, you're probably changing too late. And I think he's right. I think if you, change is never comfortable, but if you're real comfortable with it, it's probably too late. You almost have to change. And so uh, that, that's where frustration can be used as a, as a fuel 
for the, to, to be able to help you change. We mentioned here allowing frustration to paralyze you will bring about more frustration, but no change. And so, and, and here's the key here. Telling other people you're frustrated doesn't solve the problem either. I mean, we, we know that, don't we? That's kind of a given. You know, how many times we just let it out? I had a friend that recently told me something, and I, for many years, I didn't have a dog. My kids had dogs, but I never had a dog, and I mean it by this way. I didn't have a relationship with a dog, and, uh, you know, they had dogs, and, you know, Fido runs away, Fido came home, you know, who cares? You know, I, it, didn't, it didn't bother me, but then we got this dog, and I wound up, I wound up with a friend of mine telling me one day, and he had a lot of pressure in his life, but he handled things well. And we were talking about the pressure one day. He said, Bill, let me tell you what. He said, I talk to my dog. He said, I go out and sit down with my dog, and I just kind of talk to him. He said, let me tell you, my dog is a better help than my wife and my kids when it comes to problems. And I said, are you serious? He said, I'm totally serious. He said, my wife and kids will tell me to do things that add more frustration, you know, changes, do that. He said, my dog just listens. And he said, try it. Well, I thought, well, here's a guy. He's making a couple of million a year. He's doing pretty well, and he don't seem to have any frustration, so... Okay, so I went out and got to know my dog. My dog is an Irish setter, a golden retriever named Buddy. And so I wound up now that Buddy and I have these weekly talks. I sat down on the deck and said, Buddy, let me talk to you. And Buddy would just sit there and look at me with understanding eyes. And I tell Buddy all these so-called frustrations. And when I go in the house, I'm already talked about those things. So I can go in the house and be on a different journey. And, and it's gotten so bad now that a friend the other day came by and he said, uh, he, you know, I said, what are you doing? He said, Bill, I had a tough day. I said, did you? He said, yeah. He said, where's Buddy? <laughs> and, and, and I knew then he didn't figure it out. I, I wasn't coming to talk to you. I got to go talk to your dog. Now, if you could read Buddy's mind, he's probably thinking, oh, Lord, that guy's got a tough life. I like the dog life better. But the key is, is telling them to, the, to people doesn't help. I love Lou Holtz's statement. Notice this one. Don't tell your problems to people. 80% don't care, and the other 20% are glad you have them. <laughs> how, how much truer can it be? So here's what we got to learn to do. Convert frustration into positive energy. That's what you do. you got to learn. If you can channel that fuel in the right direction and say, okay, I'm going to use the frustration to get unstuck, then I think your wheels can spin again. So there's six steps that you can use. Number one, acknowledge your frustration. I mean, you, you got you to gotta admit it. You remember Lee Iacocca said, he said, until you admit a problem, you'll never solve it. And I've always said that, uh, that until people see a problem, there is no problem in their minds. If you're their supervisor, you'll see that. You'll say, do you see the problem? No, we don't see the problem. What are you so upset about? And, and until they see it, until they say it, that's why counselors get you to say those things. You know, the friends of Bill Wilts and the AA group, they get you to walk in the room and say, my name is John and I'm an alcoholic. What they're trying to get you to say is acknowledge where you are until you know where they are. Too often we see it, but until they see it, it doesn't change. So they have to be the ones that see it. And that's the start of acknowledging. If I acknowledge, man, I'm really frustrated. Now, what am I going to do with it? Well, the second thing is this. Ask yourself what you want to happen. It's, if you just live with frustration, and there's some people that do, there's some people that just want to complain, you know. I mean, they're frustrated. They just want everybody to know they're frustrated, but they don't really want change. And they're almost miserable if the environment is good. You know, they, they, don't, they don't know how to operate in that. 
Uh, Bill Clinton, one of the last presidents we had, there was a book I read about his life, and Bill Clinton made this statement. He said, I will hurt myself and everyone around me if things are orderly and peaceful. He said, I was raised in a home with an alcoholic father, and I knew what it was like to have him screaming at my mother and yelling at her and sometimes threatening her life. And Bill Clinton said, as a young boy, I learned to survive in chaos. And he said, when everything was wonderful in my life, he said, I was, when, when things were good in the office, all that, he said, I was, I was always afraid I was going to get in trouble or mess up. He said, I'm a survivor in chaos. And he said, and there are millions out there just like me. And he's right. I mean, he did his best when he was always the underdog. When there was a problem, he could survive in that because his home had taught him that's how you survive. Uh, there are kids born in certain neighborhoods or in certain families or people that go to certain schools, and they've learned how to survive when the pressure's on and it's chaotic. But if everything's well, they almost implode. They, they trip. They mess up. And, and I think there's a certain need for us to all have some chaotic parts in our life to teach us to survive. You know, it's those folks that never had the headache, never had the problem, never, never known what it's like to have a broken home, never known what it was like to go through a tough time that they get to be an adult and they never had the experience. And the first time that something goes wrong, they collapse. Well, if they had been brought up the hard way, if they'd have had some experiences like that, chances are they could make it in that world. And so that's why frustration is not necessarily your enemy. But you got to ask yourself, I want to change. <laughs> what do I want to see? You know, what do I want to do? How do I, how do I do that? We call it my life. It's my homespun way. I call it moving the ball. I don't feel like that one day, one sermon, one lesson is ever going to change the world. So I always ask myself this question, did we move the ball today? That's my only question. Uh, tomorrow, I'll have three strategic meetings with three different groups of people. And all I've planned today for that is how do I move the ball in each one of those areas? doesn't solve their world problems. It doesn't mean that the next month that we won't have to have another meeting. But all I'm trying to do is just move the ball. Every Sunday when I walk away after a Sunday with 3,500 folks, I literally sit down and I ask myself a question. Did we move the ball today? That is, did we go a little further? Now, if we had a setback or we fumbled or messed up, then i got to recoup. But if we move the ball, I know we're moving in the right direction. Some of us have set too high of expectation. And, and by doing that, we think that that's going to be the fulfillment. And then we find ourselves lacking and frustrated if everything didn't change. Uh, gentlemen and, and women, when, when you're at home, moving the ball may mean the small areas. Do I get my wife or husband to open up to me? Do I get my kids to open up? Just moving the ball a little bit. It doesn't mean you're going to have one conversation and suddenly they just back in the honeymoon state. Or are you going to have one conversation? The kid says, I got it. The light's on from now on. I'll make all A's and, you know, be magna cum laude. I wish it were that easy, but it's not. It's, did I move the ball to get them to do their homework or try a little harder this week? Did I move the ball to get them to do some things this week? That's all. It's just moving the ball. And so that's the way we have to ask. I ask the question, what do I want to see happen? And if I want to see something happen, I can bite it off in the little ways. The third thing is this, accept responsibility. Now, we've lived in a world where we've been, we've been kind of subtly given the message that it's always everybody else's fault, you know? I mean, it's, it, it's so easy to shift the blame. You know, they did it, somebody else did it, and all that stuff. And, and there comes a time in every human life that you got to stop and say, it's not my brother or my sister, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. You know, I'm, I'm responsible. 
I had a lady one time come in. I want you to know, for some reason, I keep picking up the dumbest men. Every guy I date is the dumbest guy. And one of them held up a little BB. Yeah, you see this? That's my date's brain. And, I, and she's going, and I said, I want to help you something. If you keep picking up, the, you know, picking up the same dumb person, what does that say about the way you're thinking? You know, you, you, dumb and dumber go together. And so... We've got to stop and say, let me accept some responsibility. What can I do to change it? You know, somebody comes to one of you car guys. I keep buying a lemon. Well, it can't always be the manufacturer's part. It may be you're not checking them out. Are you looking for the wrong things? It, there's got to be a place in all of our lives that we say, I'm right here in some ways because I've not made the change to be somewhere else. Or I keep doing the same thing over and over. You know what the definition of insanity is, don't you? The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. And, and, and that's insane. If, you're gonna, if you want to do something different, you've got you to put something in the mix different. Number four, alter your normal course of action. And obviously that just means figure out what I, what I need to change. Uh, this approach is not working. Let me try this one. Number five, affirm your ability to make it happen. You've got to believe in yourself at some stage too. You've got to really believe that I can do this. You know, somewhere you've got to stop and say, you know, I may not be the brightest light in the room, but I'm also not the dimmest. And, and, I, and I may not have all the tools there, but the fact is, is I have some things going for me. And if I've got those things going for me, I'll do what I can with what I have where I am. And if we decide I can do this, there's something about believing you can that will open some doors and move you further than, than doubt. Uh, the hesitation. I, uh, I was with a, with a guy a while back that, that we were flying in an airplane. It was me and, and two other guys, and both of them were pilots. And one guy hesitated a lot. And I needed to be in North Carolina, and I needed every moment I could because we got off the ground late over here, and I needed to go through the Hartsfield space in Atlanta. And so I got this guy at the last minute. I called him, the guy that normally flies me. He's a great guy. But I said, uh, I said, listen, we got to get up there. He said, well, let's see if we can get him to go with us because he can get through Hartsfield usually. Well, as we start going, the guy that normally flies me, he was, uh, you know, we, we're flying a smaller deal. We want to come through Hartsfield, and, and he's calling in. He says, Hartsfield International, this is so-and-so. And I said, yes. He said, I need such-and-such such, uh, direction, and, and he wanted to go through there. And they said, permission denied. You need to take a so-and-so heading. And I knew that's going to put us on the ground just in time. Well, about that time, this other guy gets on the mic. The, the, the guy that's been flying all of his life, he just grabs the mic. He said, this is so-and-so, and he starts naming the same call letters that we always had. He said, we need to take so-and-so, and he, to, the same, uh, to the same air traffic controller. You can hear the same voice. And he said, come on through. You can take such a shit. And we go flying right through all the big boys, and we wind up saved about, a, about probably 40 minutes' time. And, and I asked him in the back, some of your pilots, you know how that goes. I, I asked him in the back, I said, now, how did you get us through there when he didn't? He said, when I was talking, I didn't hesitate. And, and, and it was his confidence. I've done this so many times. He, you would have thought we were flying, you know, Air Force One through there the way he talked. And so they let him through. And, and, and I thought, that's interesting. His, I believe in myself, open that door. Otherwise, we're going to have to, you know, she'll be coming around the mountain when she comes stuff. Uh, number six, and the sixth way to handle it is to act. You got to do something. There's that old saying I've always said, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always be where you've always been. There comes a time you got to act. 
You know, there comes a time with my frustration, I've got to do something. I can't just go tell everybody about it. Can't just feel it and let my, my blood pressure run up. I've got to reach a stage in my life that I say, okay, what action do I take? And here's when I do it. And as scared as you are to make that phone call, to close that deal, or to set that appointment, or, or to do something, as hard as it may be, you got to do that. I, I called a guy the other day that I needed to see, and I don't know him well. In fact, I, don't, I only know of him. I don't know him. And the other day, two, three more people said, Bill, if, you, if that's going to happen, you got to call him. And I said, I, I don't know him, and he's bothered and inundated by a lot of people. No, you'll have to call him. We can't open that door. And finally, it got to where it was down to the wire, and I kept putting it off for no other reason other than I didn't want to bother him. I didn't know if what I had to, to, to do was a big enough project to interest him. And so I just thought of a thousand excuses. And finally, this friend of mine walks up, hands me his little card, like a business card. He said, Bill, he said, I know his daughter. He said, here's his private number. He said, call him. And he handed me that card. I kept that card three days. I mean, I'd look at it and, I, you know, and, and one time my wife said, you want me to throw that away? I said, no, that's so-and-so's private cell number. She said, how'd you get that? I said, I, I'm not sure I really want it. You know, I got to call him. I'm, I'm a little apprehensive about this. And so I called him. Finally, I just said, okay, you know, you can't teach it if you don't do it. Here we go. I threw it down and I, I took a deep breath and I called the number. He answers the phone. Now, I would have thought, you know, his voice going to be cheery. It wasn't. Hello. <laughs> and I said, hey, so-and-so, yeah. This is Bill Purvis over in Columbus. Hey, Bill, how you doing? And I said, I'm doing fine. Buddy, I've been waiting to hear from you someday. I was hoping you'd call me. He said, you know, I've been getting your Excel tapes for two years. Now, he's this big dog. I said, you have? <laughs> he said, yes. He said, I, I repeat so much of what you say. And he said, you wouldn't believe it. Hey, you did a lesson on, and he starts naming this stuff. He said, that was one of the life changers around here. I have quoted that more. He starts, and in five minutes' time, all this fear goes down. I'm thinking, I got the dog's number. <laughs> he likes me. It would have never happened if I hadn't acted. And you may have somebody you want to close the deal. You, somebody you know, they want to buy that home. They want, to, they want to buy that insurance. They want to buy that car. And you keep looking at that number and thinking, I don't want them to think that I'm just too eager as a salesperson. I don't want them to think. That, and, and there may be the only thing holding the deal back is just acting. It may be just a matter of saying, I I'm going to get past my fear and do it. And that's one of the greatest ways you can use that frustration. I promise you, I've seen it work too many times not to deny it. Now, here's a story we gave you. It's so small there. I'll, <coughs> I had mine blown up in big writing because I'm, I'm old and blind. But uh, here's a story I thought was interesting. In 1853, George Crumb was uh, working as a chef at Moon Lake Lodge in Saratoga Springs, New York. He became frustrated with a customer. He kept sending his meal back, complaining that the French fries were too thick. So Crumb cut them in half, sent them back. Customer continued to insist the fries were still too thick, sent them back in. Out of frustration, Crumb cut them into wafer-thin uh, slices. Then he deep-fried them again so that they would shatter the moment his fork picked them up. Sent them back. The guy loved them. At that moment, Saratoga chips became popular throughout the northeastern part of the United States. Their popularity spread throughout the U.S. and ultimately the world. Today, 150 years later, we are all consuming potato chips, a snack food that was created because a man was frustrated at the client who didn't like the thick potato uh, the French fries. And so all of that came because somebody said out of frustration, you want it thin? I'll give it to you paper thin and cut them that way. And 
Now we're all eating it. Frustration can be a great, a great creator. Here's what we mentioned. In your box there, frustration is simply a challenge that needs to be met. There's, there's an opportunity to use it in the right direction. It tells you something's wrong. It's the indicator that everything's not on equal uh, on, on equilibrium right. And then we mentioned here, think beyond the moment. Getting upset won't change anything. Focus on solutions. How do we meet that need? How do I use this as energy? How do I get motivated enough that I go in there and do that? That's really the best way I know to use your frustration. And you'll be amazed at how many things you can get accomplished when you use it right. If you're listening to a borrowed copy of this lesson, consider becoming an Excel Leadership member. Visit our website at www.xl-leadership.com. That's xcel-leadership.com. Or call 1-800-474-9235. Each month, you'll receive an audio lesson, informative lesson outlines, an attractive library-quality storage binder to organize your material, plus an opportunity to purchase Excel Leadership Mentoring Tools at a discount. Don't miss out on future lessons. Contact Excel Leadership today at www.xl-leadership.com. Excel Leadership providing you with professional leadership training.